team from Cornerstone. All right, hi guys. Are you all doing well? Okay, um, cool. I am Sabrina. You can call me Sebi. That's what all my youths call me anyway. I'm from Cornerstone, and uh, it's a joy and privilege to be with all of you here tonight, this evening. Thank you for inviting. Thank you for trusting me with the pulpit as well. Um, I don't take this very lightly. And uh, just today, I just want to... How has 2012 been for you? Oh, I, I like you, you know. She's like, she's like answering me with her handphone. She's like looking at her handphone, and she's like doing this. She's like, uh, good, okay. <laughs> 2012, how has it been for you? Sleepy, really? Okay, that's strange. How has it been for you guys here? Check it, guy. What's your name? Isaac. How has 2012 been for you? Good? Good? <laughs> well, before I go into the message, really, that God has placed on my heart for you guys, just let me share a little bit of how 2012 has been for me. It's just February this year. Um, you know, we're just like one and a half months into the new year. And uh, 2012, in my, on my very first service in my own youth ministry on the 1st of January, I preached a message called A Little Less Conversation, A Little More Action, Please. You know Elvis Presley? A little less conversation, a little more action, please. You know? And I told them, I said, you know, mark my words, I say this prophetically, that 2012 is going to be a very significant and a very wild year. Everybody say wild. wild. Say with more like gusto, like Wild. It's, it's going to be wild, okay? And I'm going to share with you some stories, and it's only February, okay? Now, if I tend to be a bit loud, then you just raise your hand and like, you're too loud, okay? Because I swallowed a microphone when I was younger, so I naturally have a loud voice, but... <laughs> okay, but... Uh, so what happened was this, okay? Now, um, 1972, right? 1972, how many of you knew that the revival uh, broke out in Singapore in 1972? Okay? The Singapore Charismatic Movement, the revival in Singapore, started in ACS Barker in a clock house tower, in a clock tower, in 1972, okay? Now, fast forward 40 years later, it's 2012. Now, the number 40 represents a generation. A generation has passed since we last saw a revival. And God has gripped my heart this year, and I've been praying, I'm like, God, raise up a new breed of revivalists again in our nation raise up a new breed of young people, laid down lovers, disciples of the cross, who will not love their lives even unto death, and together we will see a revival. It was interesting what Jessica said just now about the fire, the controlled fire. Because just last night, okay, I mean, this, this year has been very crazy for me. Okay, it started out in January, and um, I was praying for a specific direction in my life that uh, my church wants to do with my life, okay. Um, so I was just praying, you know, and I was so overwhelmed by prophetic words and all that, that I've been receiving this year. And so I, I took a day leave on Friday. This was January, and um, I was just seeking God for a direct, the, the, that specific direction in my life. And I, so I, I said, God, I'm going to meet Cheryl um, for lunch. And I said, I'm going to meet Cheryl at Tampanese Mall for lunch, okay. If, if it is time for me to be sent out to plant a church in the nations, and if this is the direction for my life this year, if, if, if it's time, if it's ready. God, send, give me a sign, okay? Send somebody along this stretch where Nando's is, you know, if you've been family small, Nando's is because that's where I'm going to have lunch. And I said, send someone, God, with a knee problem, either in bandage or on crutches. Show me that person. Tell me that I have to pray for that person. I will go and pray for that person and that person must be healed. I said, I'll take that as a sign. In my brain, I'm like, that is ridiculous because it's not going to happen. How many lame people anyway do you see in family small? So I went, okay, after I prayed, it was just overwhelming the whole morning. I was just seeking God in my room. And so I met Cheryl for lunch. 
and uh, she wasn't there yet. So I went to draw money at this DBS ATM machine, which was along the stretch where Nando's was. Now, it was a long queue, okay? So I was just waiting for my turn. And uh, I was the next in line. And it had to happen when I was the next in line. And then there was this mother and daughter, Filipinos. Her daughter had a bandage on her knee. And they walked, and she walked with the limbs so slowly, like as if for me to see, you know, like purposely on, you know. She was walking really slowly like, like this, you know. It was like, I'm not exaggerating, it was this slow. And she was stopped for a while to rest. And then she'll continue. Her mother was like, you know, holding onto her arm. And they were walking so slowly towards my direction. And so when she reached where I was, and I was the next in, in line, and then God said, that's your catch, go pray. I was like, God, you must be kidding, right? I mean, I queued really long at the ATM machine, and I'm the next in line. Number two, can you also see that there's a long queue of people behind me? Not that I don't mind, I don't mind re-queuing, but it's going to be embarrassing. You want me to step out of the line and pray for her? What if she doesn't get healed? People are going to think I'm crazy, I'm a fool, you know? So I said, no, that is not happening. My heart was racing in my chest, okay? So I, I disobeyed and I just went to draw my money, right? And then after I drew my money, I was so convicted. I'm like, I need to pray. I need to pray for that girl. So I went to look for her. I mean, at the rate that she was walking, how far can she go anyway? So, so I drew my money and I went to look for her, you know, at Century Square entrance and then that stretch where Nando's was, nowhere in sight. So then Cheryl was outside Nando's and I went to her. I said, Cheryl, did you see somebody with a knee injury? Like she was really limping. She said, no. So I was like, wow, fucking, you know, don't have to pray. I was like, thank you, God, you know. So we went to Nando's for lunch and we had lunch for like one and a half hours plus. And then I said a very stupid prayer. Never pray this, okay? And I said this, God, if it's really your will for me to pray for that girl, then let our paths cross again. So after having lunch for one and a half hours plus, I would have thought that they had left, or they would have left already, you know. So after that, you know, we're just talking and so we said, let's go to Starbucks. So we went to Starbucks, it was raining that day, and outside, you know, it was just wet, we couldn't sit. So we went into Starbucks, and all the seats were filled up. And so I said, Cheryl, let's go to Coffee Bean, let's try Coffee Bean. So we went to Century Square, went to Coffee Bean, again, it was packed out. And so I told Cheryl, I think Starbucks is the place, let's go back to Starbucks. So we went back to Starbucks again, and we went inside Starbucks, and lo and behold, there was one empty available table. So Cheryl was like, hey, Sabi, there. I was like, let's go. So we sat down, and um, after that, you know, people just left and all that. About 25 minutes later, guess who came in? That's right. The girl came in to Starbucks. I mean, this was like, what? Nearly two hours after the since I met her. Two hours plus. And she came in to Starbucks. She was limping. Now, by now, there were a few available seats, you know. And of all places that she had to sit, she had to sit in front of my eyes. She had to plant herself and her mother, you know. They had to just plant themselves in front of my face. And then I was like, oh God, is this really happening? Cheryl is my witness. I, I was sitting at the corner, you know, I was at the wall. And I was literally banging my head on the wall. I'm like, oh my gosh, do I really need to do this? I'm like, this is crazy, God, what's up? And uh, I, I'm telling you, okay, for 20 minutes, I struggled. I was shaking. My heart was racing. And I kept looking at her. And I kept looking at her bandage, you know, her knee. And I think she knew that I was looking at her because she felt very awkward. Like, she'll look at me and then she'll see me looking at her. Then she'll use her phone. Then she'll look at me again, see me looking at her. Then she'll use her phone, you know. And uh, 20 minutes of struggling and I was like, Cheryl, if this is God, I'm going. So I kind of like banged the table. I was like, I'm going. So I stood up. I went to her and, uh, you know, there was one available empty seat, but they put her back, they put their backs, right? So I took on a bit, you know, I, I kind of like, hi, um, my name is Sabrina. I can I just talk to you for a while? So I kind of like helped myself, you know, I put their backs on the floor. And then I sat on the chair and I'm like, um, where are you guys from? You know, and they were like, 
um, the Philippines? I was like, oh, I was in Bible school in the Philippines too. So I kind of like flaunted my Tagalog a little bit, you know. And we're just talking. And, and so I said, you know, anyway, I'm a Christian. And uh, I, heard the, I, I heard God said that uh, to pray for your knee. So I asked what happened to your knee. So she said she had a very big surgery on her knee. And that morning, they just went, she just went back for a therapy. And she said it was really excruciating, you know, it was very painful. So I said, can I pray for you? I said, I believe in Jesus who heals. I said, can I pray for you? You know, and she said, yeah, sure, I'm Catholic. I was like, cool. I said, okay, let me pray for you, you know. So I was so nervous. I don't know what I was praying. I just put my hands on her knee and I'm like, God, please heal her knee, you know. Make it whole again, you know. I command every muscle to be healed in Jesus' name. And I'm like, God, I thank you for dying on the cross. I thank you by your stripes we are healed. I claim that healing right now for my sister's knee in Jesus' name. Her name is Jen. I said, in Je- for Jen's knee in Jesus' name, amen. I opened my eyes. She opened her eyes. She was crying. And there were people around in Starbucks and they were staring, you know. And I was like, this is good. And I was like, wow, this is not so bad after all, you know. And so I said, hey, Jen, I said, can you do something and test it out? Like do something you couldn't do before, you know. And her mother, oh my gosh, avid fan, man. Her mother was like, yeah, come on, test it. Stand up, stand up. Bend your knee, you know, stand up, you know. I wish I brought a picture, but Cheryl took a picture of us, you know. And uh, so she stood up and uh, she was just bending her knee like this, you know. She's just doing this. She's doing squats, you know. And then she looked at me and she was like, it's better now, thank you. With tears in the eyes, I said, I said, you know, I'm not going to take that for an answer. I said, I believe in a God who heals completely. I said, can I pray for you a second time? She said, sure. So she sat down and I was like, God, you got to do this. Just heal her knee. I command every muscle to, to be restored in Jesus' name. I said, take away the pain. Every discomfort has to go in Jesus' name. Amen. I said, Jen, can you do it again? Can you stand up again? She stood up, bent her knee, did more squats. <laughs> With more tears in her eyes and a shocked expression on her face, it was classic, okay? She looked at me, she looked at her mother, she looked at me, she looked at her mother, and she said, It's good now! She said, It's good now! It's okay now! So she wanted to give me a hug, so I was like, Whoa! I was like, Okay, you know? Hugged her, her mother began to cry, and her mother stood up, and all this is happening in Starbucks, you know? Her mother stood up, and she wanted to hug me too, so I went over, I'm like, I'm like Oh man, this is good, you know? And uh, so I went back to my seat, but I went back with mixed reaction because of course, I was happy that she got healed and we just witnessed a miracle in Starbucks, not in church, in Starbucks, you know. But then the other half of me was confused because like, God, is that a sign? <laughs> like, is that a sign, you know? And I'm telling you this, that 40 years, 40 represents a generation. I'm telling you young people that my heart is grieved with this cause of revival. I really believe with all my heart that God is going to raise up a new breed of revivalists the world has never seen before and we are going to see a global revival like we have never seen before happen in our day and age. I live, I breathe, I sleep, I dream revival all my life. My youth are my witness. I talk about it all the time because I really believe this, that God works in a 40-year cycle. One generation has passed. I'm telling you this. Interesting what you said about fire. Last night, um, I mean, this whole year has just been crazy and wild for me, okay? I mean, it's just crazy. I, I won't go into the details. But last night, I couldn't sleep, you know? I was so tired and I was going to preach today, right, to you. I, before this, I had a zone service that I was in as well. And I was just like, okay, I need to sleep. I need to sleep. And I was WhatsApping my friend. And uh, she got me so pumped, you know, and we were just talking about revival and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, Rachel, I said, I see it. I said, I see masses of young people getting baptized and becoming disciples, you know. And I, we were just exchanging and I got so pumped. So my Facebook status said this. I kind of like typed in my Facebook status like, my body is physically tired and wants to sleep. But my spiritual adrenaline is pumping. I said, how are? Uh? So my Facebook was like, how are? Uh? I was like, how, man, you know? And I really couldn't sleep. So I, I forced myself to sleep. I'm like, okay, I need to sleep. Today is a long day, right? I need to sleep. 
it was two plus in the morning. I still couldn't sleep. Toss and turn, toss and turn. And then I prayed a stupid prayer. I'm like, God, your word says that you give your beloved rest. I'm your beloved, right? Please give me some rest, you know. Please help me sleep, God, you know. And I still couldn't sleep. And this was like 3 a.m. in the morning. And, and I was like, oh, man. And you know, when I prayed that prayer, it was very funny. It was as if I heard the Holy Spirit say this to me. I'm not allowing you to sleep because I am excited to share the plans that I have. I heard that, you know. So I was like, my eyes were like wide open. I'm like, that's very unfair, you know, God. <laughs> like, I thank you that you're never sleeping, you know. You're, you never sleep, you know, but I need to sleep, you know. And I'm like, I have a long day today. I'm telling you, I'm not even tired physically now. I didn't sleep, you know. I didn't sleep the whole night. I slept for about 45 minutes, okay. And then I, I and, and so it was 3 a.m. And then I, it was as if I, I felt the excitement of Jesus. Like, he wanted to share his plans with me. So I, I was like, okay, that's it. I'm not sleeping. I cannot sleep anyway. I got out of my bed. I turned on my lights, put on a worship CD, and I began to seek his face. I was just praying throughout the night, you know, three plus. I ended about five plus, left for 45 minutes, I went to church. And uh, I just prayed and prayed and prayed. And interesting what you said, Jessica, because the word that I got, okay, I had a few words that I, that I received, okay, but one of the words was this. The words exactly were this. See, stand and see the fire spread. The fire of God, the fire of revival is going to spread like wildfire. Like how one bush catches fire, another bush catches, another bush catches, another bush catches. The fire of God, he said, see, the he, see, he said, see, the fire, my fire is going to spread like wildfire. It's going to spread from one continent to another, from one nation to another. And then I had another word. Yes, an intergenerational revival is coming, but especially so among the children and the young people. That's you. That's me. I'm young. I'm only 26. I'm in your generation. I'm what? 10 years older than you? Thank you for that, man. Oh my God, she's 10 years older than me. A decade, yes. Okay, but I consider myself young, man. You know, I'm like, God, I'm 26. You know, send me. You know, I want to lay my life down for you. Whatever you want to do. You're 26 too? Oh. Then why do you do this? I thought you're 26 too. I wanted to pump, like, pump it, you know. But so anyways, okay, so this year has been so crazy and I like what you said, Jessica, because I'm telling you, don't control what God has given you. The fire that God has birthed in your spirit. Or even worse, if no fire, uh, then today you better respond to the altar call, okay? Because we're going to pray for the fire to come into your life, okay? I'm telling you, it's no time to play games, young people. John Wesley said this, send me on fire and the world will see me burn. I say this to you, if Moses in the Bible could not mistake a burning bush, a world, your, your, your families were not saved yet, perhaps. Your schools, this nation in Singapore, cannot and will not mistake a burning generation. And this year, I'm telling you, God is just doing crazy things. I sense in my spirit, and I say this prophetically to all of you, that God is accelerating His work. He's doing a quick work. A wave is coming. I said this to my young people. I said, listen, a spiritual wave is coming. Every, every time I pray, I see a spiritual tsunami that's coming. I see a spiritual tsunami that's coming. And I said, if you're a surfer, you, you know this. The principle is this. You don't wait for the wave to come, you start pedaling. Huh? Right? When you are able to see the wave from far, you start pedaling. And when the wave comes to you, you ride it. But some of us, you're not even pedaling. And I'm telling you this, I prophesy this over your lives. If you're not going to catch the wave, if you're not going to ride the wave, I'm telling you, if you don't start pedaling now, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the next move of God in our generation. You're going to drown and not ride the wave. Hard word. But I plead with you, young people, it's not time to play games with God anymore. Can you sense the urgency of the hour? 
this year from January the 1st until now, I'm telling you, there's never been one day where I'm not dry, when I'm not dry-eyed, okay? And I'm not emotional one. I'm not the sentimental, watch Korean drama and cry, okay? I'm not that kind of person. You ask my use, okay? They will celebrate my birthdays, you know, book hotel and all that, and they're like, cry, 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 cry. And I'm like, I'm trying. But, you know, but in my heart, I'm like, I'm very grateful for all that you guys are doing, you know, but I'm just not that sentimental kind of person. But I'm telling you, from 1st January till now, there hasn't been a day where I'm dry-eyed, okay? When I come before the presence of God, I am just so overwhelmed by Him. And I'm telling you that if, I mean, young people from other faiths, mark my words, they're not playing games. 9-11. Do you know the pilots who learned, who dedicated four years of their lives? You read, you read that, you read that account. Four years of their lives, this young Muslim young people, young men, dedicated four years of their lives to learn how to fly a plane, but they never landed the plane. They gave their lives four years to learn to fly a plane, but they always knew that they would never land that plane. Because they believe that when they do that, they will be reconciled to their God. People, young people all over the world from different faiths are not playing games. If you and I claim that we have the good news of the gospel, if you and I claim that we worship the one true God, then hey, let's buck up. Let's live the abundant life that Jesus talks about. Amen? Just this year, I, want just, I just want to share some testimonies with you, inspire you, and let's go into the Word of God. Cheryl, right? Cheryl, you want to stand so they know who you are? Okay, that's Cheryl. Cheryl's in SMU. Okay, anyway, Cheryl, okay? Um, now, she is one of my heroes, okay? She's my sheep, my disciple, but one of my heroes. She inspires me, okay? She goes to school. She doesn't just go to school as a student Christian, as a secret agent Christian. She goes to school as a Christian student. You know what she's been doing? She's been going to school and she's been preaching the gospel to just people randomly, people she doesn't even know. She was in a library and there was this guy coughing in the library and, uh, you know, SMU library is a very quiet one. So this guy was coughing, 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 you know, and she went to pray for that guy. She's like, can I pray for you? And, she, and, and this group of Chinese nationals, they were just laughing at her and mocking her, but she didn't care. Okay, she left, uh, she prayed, she left the library and then uh, the Lord spoke to her again and said, Cheryl, go back and preach the gospel to that guy that you prayed for. So she went back, the guy wasn't there anymore, anymore and the Lord said, wait, stay here and wait. Okay, she waited and the guy came back and she preached the gospel to that guy. On the same day, she went up to this girl and gave her a cornerstone card. We have cornerstone card, you know. So she's like, hey, I'm from cornerstone, I just want to invite you and blah, blah. Her side of the story was that that girl looked very cold, like she wasn't very interested, you know. So she, all she did was just invite her to church. Bye, God bless you. She went away. But that girl happened to be one of our other youth's classmates. And so that girl went into my, his name is Jonathan. So that girl went to Jonathan's uh, Facebook and, and, and searched for Cheryl, right? And so she talked to Jonathan and said, hey, do you know this girl called Cheryl Lake, you know? And blah, blah, blah. You know, she, and she said this to Jonathan, my other youth. She said this, you know, this may sound very strange, but the last week I had a dream. And she said, I've never heard of Cornerstone before. I never know, I don't know what Cornerstone is, but I had a dream. And uh, in the dream, I, I just dreamt that I was in this auditorium, very, very big auditorium, and on top of the auditorium, it was the word cornerstone. And he said, and today, this random girl, Cheryl Lake, came up to me and gave me a card that says Cornerstone Church, and she's inviting me to church. If it, it doesn't freak you out, it freaked me out. And I was like, huh? I was like, seriously? Shemaine and Aryan. Shemaine and Aryan, right? Kasians, okay? That's where I was from as well, Casey. Katong Convent. Okay, anyways. Now, I mean, these people are crazy, okay? Sometimes they put me to shame. But I'm telling you that God is raising up a new breed of generation, okay? You, you know what they did when they were in KC? They, 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 I mean, they just gave their own money, okay? And uh, they bought 1,000 over badges that says, I love KC on Valentine's Day. And they gave it out to the whole school. Today, we have seen KCians. It's like a revival that, that's in KC. That's in we have seen KCians come in 
lives just messed up, lesbians and everything else, and we just see the power of God hit one by one, change one by one, change one by one. Today, many of them are leaders, worship leaders. You see, God is, God is not playing games. He's looking for a generation, a passionate generation, that will stand up and say, here am I, God, send me. Use me for your glory. I got another guy, Daniel. He was, he was at inter, a Tempest Interchange. God said, go pray for that beggar, one who sells tissue paper. He went, he preached the gospel to him, and the, and the man said, well, oh, you know, you are Christian, very good. Nah. You know, you're not the first to preach the gospel to me. Many Christians have preached the gospel. And uh, Daniel said, can I pray for you, uncle? Is there anything that I can pray for you about? you sick in your body, whatever. Can I pray for you? And the man said, yeah, you know, he said in Chinese, what's up here along? You know, he said, my left ear is, is deaf. So Daniel said, okay, uncle, I believe in the God that heals. Can I pray for you? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you open up his ear, blah, 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 blah. In Jesus' name, amen. Uncle's ear popped open. Tempanis interchange. He has never received Jesus Christ into his life, although many Christians have preached to him before. But after his ear popped open and he could hear again, he told Daniel, Daniel, he said, he said he's, I, I don't think he called Daniel, but he said, well, sing Yesu. He said, I want to believe in Jesus. Daniel led him into a salvation's prayer right there at Tempanis interchange. Hey, God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't see, oh, you know, because this, this girl more pretty, you know, then I use her. No! He's just looking for willing vessels who will say, God, I want to carry, I want to carry your glory. I want to carry your presence everywhere I go. And today, I come, with, I come with a message. If you're writing down notes, just write this down. My title is this, Why is your butt so big? Yeah. Why is your butt so big? Ask your neighbor to your right. Why is your butt so big? With a pure mind, please. Now turn to the neighbor on your left and ask, ask, ask the person back, why is your butt so big? Now, don't get me wrong. When I say butt, I'm not meaning a backside, not B-U-T-T, okay? But why is your butt, B-U-T, so big? No, not double T, huh? Why is your butt, B-U-T, so big? You see, young people, when it comes to passion, there is no such thing as butts. There's no such thing as, I'm passionate for Jesus, but because I'm not so outspoken and expressive, so when it comes to praise and worship, I'm more conservative. There's no such thing as butts. It, regardless of whatever personality, especially with avid fans of football clubs, whether or not a guy is like loud in nature and just like, you know, boisterous and like, oh, gold, you know, or whether a guy is like soft-spoken and shy kind of personality, you know, when they laugh, it's like, press one for vibration, you know, <laughs> whatever kind of personality, listen, when it comes to passion, there is no buts. I've got one brother, he is by nature shy. Okay, but he can be outspoken if he wants to. No, but when he, you know the recent uh, Singapore versus all the other nations uh, football thing, right? Okay, my brothers my, and my father, they always watch, you know, and, and it's very crazy, okay, because I'll be in my room, you know, I'll be very spiritual reading my Bible, you know, and then suddenly, go! You know, I'm like, oh man! I'm like, so hard to be a Christian now, you know? I'll slim my down, huh? I didn't do that, okay? But I'm like, oh man, just, just don't have volumes, what's up? It's just Singapore, man. Very good, man, Singapore, you, are, you know? And uh, you see, but when it comes to passion, because they're passionate for football. If you are passionate for Man United, I'm very sure when Man United scores a goal, you don't sit down and like, go. Go. That was a good one, man. That was good, man. Go, man. Go. I mean, what kind of reaction is that? If you're passionate for Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea, whatever. I mean, when your team scores a goal, whether you're loudspoken or conservative, I'm telling you, I'm very confident that even if you're a very shy person, you'll be jumping up your seat and like, go, like, yeah, you know, give me high five your friends, whatever. Same thing in the spiritual. 
There is no such thing as passion. I'm passionate for Jesus, but I'm not kind of willing to let go of that relationship that I'm in right now. I mean, I'm passionate for Jesus, but why is your butt so big? You know the word passion? Do you know where the origin of the word passion came from? Make a guess. In fact, go Google this. No, 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 no Google now lah. Google and you go home, okay? But the origin of the word passion, even in dictionary.com, it, it, goes, it, it tells you the origin of the word passion. The origin of the word passion came from the expression on the cross. I never knew that too. Until I went to dictionary.com, did a word study on the word passion, and I found that out. That it is the expression on the cross, which means when Jesus died on the cross, they had no words to describe that expression. And they said, that's passion. And that's why if you Google a picture of passion flower, the petals and the crown, the, the petals, why they call it passion flower is because their petals look like nails and a crown of thorns. Passion fruit, I don't know. Lah. I don't know how it looks like. Okay. Passion. You see, the word passion is a powerful or compelling emotion or feeling. The word passion is a strong liking or enthusiasm. In fact, the word enthusiasm in Greek is the word entheos. E-N-T-H-E-O-S. Entheos. Enthusiasm is the word Greek in the Greek word entheos. Break up these two words, en, theos, you get the word en, which means in or within. Theos is God. That's where you get the word theology. Right? Theology. Theos is God, okay? In Hebrew, in Greek, when you say theos, it means God. Which means enthusiasm, which has its Greek-based root word, entheos, which actually means in God, within God. Do you see that when I did a word study on this enthusiasm word, I was just shocked. Oh my God, enthusiasm is in you. That you are an enthusiasm God. You're not an expressionless, passionless, and, and emotionless God. I mean, you read the Word of God from Genesis to Revelations. He is filled with enthusiasm. He says, I'm jealous for you. Enthusiasm, entheos, in God, within God Himself. Passion, that's what I'm talking about today. First and foremost, let's understand that God is passionate about you. How do I know? How do you know? For the very fact that He would raise both arms like that on the cross and die for you. In essence, you know what He's saying? He's saying this, I would rather die than to live without you. I watched The Passion of the Christ when I was underage because my church booked the, you know, cinema and we all went to watch. And this was really long ago when it first came out, right? And uh, I'm telling you, okay, it was so emotional for me because I was just crying throughout the movie and there was one part of the scene, if you watch The Passion of the Christ, where they threw the cross on Jesus, right? Before he, was, they were, he carried the cross and walked to Calvary, they threw the cross on him and in that scene, if you see correctly, what he did, what did he do? He embraced it. He just hugged the cross, embraced the cross, and he just leaned on the cross. The thief beside him with the same cross, he said, You fool! Why are you embracing and, le- and resting on that thing? You're going to die on that cross. Why are you embracing it? In that movie, in that scene, Jesus didn't utter a single word. He just embraced the cross like that, and he just leaned on the cross. He didn't say a single word. It was as if I heard the audible voice of the, of the Holy Spirit. I was in the cinema. I was in the second row at the side seat. One chair, I was in the next chair. I remember so vividly. I sat there and as I watched that scene, the Holy Spirit said to me, Sabrina, He did that for you. Boom! <laughs> I was just crying. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, thank you, Lord. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for doing that for me. He went to the cross for you. He's passionate about you. 
He's enthusiastic about you. And perhaps the reason why some of us here are not as passionate about Jesus tonight, we're not as enthusiastic about Jesus tonight, is because you have forgotten how passionate and enthusiastic He is about you. You have not come into that revelation, that fullness of that revelation of how passionate He is for you, how much He loves you. All the songs that we sang tonight about love. You're a very hyper person. There's a story of a great English actor called McReady. And uh, there was this preacher one day in his, in, in, in his uh, concert, okay? And uh, after the whole thing, you know, the audience were laughing and crying, laughing and crying, just responding to that, to that, uh, act, to that play, to that act. And uh, after the whole thing, you know, they, had a, they, they could interact with uh, Mr. McReady, the writer, the script of this uh, play. And, Mr., and this preacher man went to Mr. McReady and said, Hey, Mr. McReady, can I ask you a question? Look, I'm a preacher, but why is it that your audience responds better than my audience in church? I mean, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I, I present the truth, you know, but how, how is it that you, can, you are able to engage your audience better than I can engage my audience? And Mr. McReady looked at the preacher in his eyes and said this, Well, sir... I think it's because I present fiction as if it was truth. And you present truth as if it was, as if it was fiction. People ask me, Hey, Pastor Sabrina, why you preach uh, so enthusiastic? Uh? You, look like, you, know, you look like so crazy like that. You know? You're like full of energy and all that. Because listen, when I preach the truth, I go all out. I don't hold back. You, you, if you have tried the best charcoal town in Singapore, you don't go to your friends and like, no, I don't want to tell you anything. Uh. You'll be like, hey, wow, I tried this charcoal town. We're really good, man. We must go one day. Man. We must go one day. Typical Singaporeans, right? Hey, but if we say that we've got the good news of the gospel, hey, if we say that I was once lost but now I'm found, then how is it that we can just keep the gospel to ourselves? How is it that we can keep the good news to ourselves? It is mind-boggling to me. It really is. Then I really question your salvation. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really question your salvation. I really question whether or not you really have genuinely encountered God in your life. Because one encounter with Jesus, one glimpse of His glory, you'll never be the same again. And your mouth can never be shut. Wherever you go, you just want to tell people the good news. If I get top in class, hey, I remember primary one, and only primary one. <laughs> primary one, I get first in class. I remember, I mean, I'm 26, right? That's how many years ago. But I remember what happened. I came down from the school bus. I ran all the way to my home. I knocked on the door. I'm like, I got first in class. I got first in class. If I had last in class, I wouldn't do that, you know? You see, but when we got good news, we want to share. And we share with like passion. And we're like, yes, I got first in class. You know, I did this and I did that. Hey, but if then we say that we got the good news of the gospel that will affect eternity, then why is it that we're not even preaching the gospel in our schools? Mind-boggling, isn't it? Uh, to me, it's mind-boggling. You see, if anybody in this world ought to be enthusiastic and passionate, it ought to be people who know Jesus Christ. It ought to be you. It ought to be me. We ought to be the most passionate people on this entire world. Hey, you, you catching me? I think I'm preaching better than you're responding, man. I'm like, my heart is racing right now. I'm telling you, I'm so excited for this word. Because you need it. You need it. See, passion is what energizes life. The creative force behind all great art, all great drama, all great music, architecture, writing is passion. Nothing great is ever accomplished without passion. Passion is what mobilizes armies into action. Vietnam versus US, who won? Vietnam. Read your history. Study history. Vietnam versus US. Vietnam won. Hey, that is another mind-boggling thing. I'm like, come on. US have got the best weapons. They've got the best military training. Our naval divers learn from them, right? Our army force learns from the US. 
How is it that they lost to Vietnam, a third world nation? Who don't even have the best weapons. They don't even have nice uniforms. How did they lose to Vietnam? I'll tell you why. Because US, like Singapore, every guy is obligated to go through army. Whether you want or not, you have to go. Too bad. Okay? So people fight with our sien, you know, wow, we really must do this, is it? But Vietnam is different. When they were going to war, young people signed themselves up for the army and said, I want to fight for my nation. And they fought with passion. They won. Passion is what mobilizes armies into action. Passion is what causes explorers to go boldly to where no man has gone before. Passion is what causes scientists to spend late night hours trying to find a cure to a dreaded disease. Passion is what takes a good athlete and turns him and makes him a great athlete. Passion is what causes Reinhard Bonke, evangelist Reinhard Bonke, to roar like a, to roar like a lion. I love his story. I watch him all the time. Oh my God, give me his mantle. I want to have what that man has. You, he, I mean, in one of his sermons, he said this, he said he was in Germany. That's where he's from, German, right? But he hosts crusades in Africa. That's where he's called to. But he went back to Germany because he had a speaking invitation and he was just preaching the gospel and he did his, you know, his passion and he's like, fire, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, fire here and there, you know. After the whole thing, Young men, German men came up to him. Now, German, German churches are very conservative, right? So this young man came up to Reinhard Bonnke and said, Evangelist Reinhard Bonnke, I'm sorry, but you know, you don't really have to raise your voice because it's really deafening to the ears and you're holding a microphone. You really don't have to raise your voice, you know? And you know what Reinhard Bonnke answered him? I watched this in a sermon. I cried. I'm like, God, I want that. He said this. He said, young man. He said, am I going to purr like a cat? Am I going to cool like a pigeon? When the devil has got a whole generation of people trapped in sexual immorality and sin and bondages, he said, no, I'm going to roar like a lion. I'm like, yes, I'm like, yes, I'm going to roar like a lion. I thank God for my good, loud voice. <laughs> Passion is what made Cheryl stand on a chair in a classroom and shout, I'm in love with a man with a capital M. I'm sorry to embarrass you, Cheryl. But because of that, her friends became Christians. And they are serving with us today in my church. Passion. Passion is what made Shemaine, when I was at Mustafa with her, she said, Sabi, wait, I want to go pray for that man on crutches. I was like, hey, when Mustafa, no. Hindu, daddy, daddy, yeah. She didn't bother. She went to pray for that guy. And I was just standing by her and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. I should be the one praying for that guy. I'm the leader, you know. <laughs> These people just, they just, they just blow my mind, okay, all the time. We were at Parkway. And uh, there was this girl, Pao Pao Ta, you know, the bubble tea girl. And she was just giving out samples, you know. And so my dear Charmaine, she was like, Sabi, uh, give me a moment. She always does that, no? Sabi, give me a moment. She went, she went, she backtracked, she went to the bubble tea shop. She started, like, sharing the gospel with this girl with her tray of small cups of sampled bubble tea, you know. It was just crazy. It was amazing. And I'm telling you, ride the wave. Start paddling now, young people, because a spiritual wave is coming. Ride it. Don't drown. Passion. Everyone is passionate about something. Go to Amazon.com, type the word passion in. I'll tell you something, some, some book titles that came up, okay? It's very funny, you listen. I, typed, I went to Amazon.com, type the word passion. There are book titles on passion for birds, passion for books, passion for cactus, for fishing, for flying, for gardening, for golf, for hunting. There's even a book called Passion for Mushrooms. Passion for needle points, for pasta, for ponies, for roses, for shoes. There's even a book called Passion for Potatoes. This is the best, the most epic one. Ready? There's even a book called Passion for Steam. That's right, Steam. I'm like, how passionate can one person be for Steam, you know? Can you imagine going to eat sum? Then the sum, the Xiao Long Pao come, they got Steam. Like, Whoa! It's like, Whoa! You know? 
married. Oh, do you mean passionate for steam? How can anyone write a book, passion for steam? It's crazy. Passion for steam. I mean, you know, it's just crazy, right? And, um, and so I was in Malacca, you know, and um, just an illustration. I was in Malacca with my family, and this was a very long time ago. My brothers couldn't, you know, one of my brother, I've got three younger brothers. I'm the eldest and the, I'm the only girl, right? So my other brother who could swim called Dominic, and the other younger one called Donovan who cannot swim, right? And uh, so then my parents and I were at the balcony of the hotel. We were just looking down, and the two of them were just swimming, right? And uh, you know, the hotel, the swimming pool is like this one, like, you know, like from shallow to deep, right? So Dominic can swim, so he was like swimming to the deep area, but Donovan can't. So he very gay, kyang lah. He started walking, 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 you know. He started walking to the deep sea, in the deep sea, in the, in the deep waters, and he couldn't swim, right? So he started to struggle, struggle. And then Dominic, my other brother who could swim, wanted to act hero, so swim towards him and try to hold him up like that. And so Donovan came up, but he was gasping for air, so he pushed Dominic down into the water. And Dominic was gasping for air, so he, he pushed Donovan into the water. So he went this way, pam, 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 you know. And so my father, of course, he quickly went down, you know, but, but thank God there was a David Hasselhoff. <laughs> there was this American angmaw, you know, hot bot person who, was, who happened to be at the scene and so he jumped into the pool, you know, he was sunbathing. So he jumped into the pool and he saved both my brothers like that. Wow, I was like, whoa, steady, uh, David Hasselhoff. Uh. <laughs> now, this is, and you see, that then what happened? My brothers were desperate for air. They were passionate for air. I'm very certain about that. I'm very certain that then they were really very passionate for air. Like, See, if all of a sudden you stop breathing, you, be, you would get pretty passionate about air, I tell you. And that's what God wants us to do. To see Him as our daily bread. Don't we sing, you are the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Yes? That's it. That's it. How many of us can live one day without Jesus? If you can, then I'm telling you this, that you are lukewarm. I'm very blunt, I'm sorry. Don't, don't, don't hit me after this, okay? It's for your own good. You may wonder why everyone is passionate about at least one thing in your life. Whether is it about God? Whether it's movies? I don't know. Whether it's uh, games? Whatever you're passionate about. You are all of us here seated in this room at the, at the sound of my voice. You are passionate for at least one thing. Why? Turn with me, Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22 verses 36 to 40. Let's just read this together. Are you still with me? Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40. Let's all read this together. One, two, three. Now, the Message Bible, the Message Translation, the same verses that we just read, says this, Love the Lord God with all your passion, with all your prayer, and with all your intelligence. And the word passion has its Greek root meaning in the word heart. Heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, which actually means love the Lord your God with all your passion. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 says this, Whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Or, whatever you do, do it with all your passion, as unto the Lord and not unto men. Count Zinzendorf, he said this, I have but one passion and one passion alone. It is he and he alone. 
Jean Elliot, the great missionary who died at a young age, said this, What good are Greek commentaries, insights, gifts, and all of the rest if there is not heart and passion for God? Very quickly, I'm just going to end with three points, and I close. And I'm going to base my three points on this passage in Mark chapter 14. Let's all turn to Mark chapter 14. Verses 3 to 9. Mark chapter 14, verses 3 to 9. Okay, I'll read this because of time. Mark chapter 14, verses 3 to 9. Now, verse 3 says this. You guys good there? Okay. Verse 3 says this, And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table... A woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Three points based on this passage. Number one, use these three points as a self-reflection, as a self-reflection of whether or not really you're passionate, okay? The first one is this, point number one. It says, we just read that Mary of Bethany came and she poured a very costly oil of spikenard in John, in the same, in, 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 in John, okay, but the same uh, passage in the same story. It says this, that this oil of spikenard cost a year's wages, which means from January 1st to the last date of December, you save up the whole year wage, you are able to buy this oil of spikenard. Now, if you read um, 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 Jewish roots, okay, every woman has got this oil of spikenard perfume. You know what they save it for? For their marriage. When they get married, they annoy the husband. But Mary of Bethany was so passionate, she didn't even save it for her husband. She came and she anointed, broke it at the feet of Jesus and anointed Jesus. And of course, people were indignant. Why do you do that? If you don't want, if you don't want this partner of oil, very, uh, very costly, sell it. Give the money to the poor. How religious. How rightly it sounds. But point number one, passionate people give excessively, they don't hold back. Passionate people give excessively, they don't hold back. They don't hold back. Mary of Bethany didn't hold back. She gave excessively. You see, I've seen and come across passionate supporters of a sporting club who would pay a ridiculous amount of money to go watch the soccer club play football. I mean, I'm like, dude, they, they don't even know who you are. Right? I mean, I'm like, what? This is so crazy. I have got people who would pay a ridiculous amount of money to watch Justin Bieber. I'm like, what? I, say, I can sing for you, you know? I can, I can sing for you, you know? Passionate people give excessively, they don't hold back. And the first part, okay, I'm going to break this point into two sub-points. And the first part is this, just let me talk about offerings and tithes. I tell my youth ministry this, I said, hey, okay, back in my church, we don't use the nice, nice uh, thing that you do, you know. We give containers, like those plastic containers, so everybody can see how much you put in, you don't know. But, but they give those, like, we pass down plastic containers, you know. So when people give coins, crunk, 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 very obvious one, it's like, oh my gosh, it's like, ooh, you know. And uh, I, tell my, I tell my young people, I say, hey, listen, God is not your bellboy, you don't tip him. He gave you his best, you don't tip him. You give him your best. Isn't there a principle, you reap what you sow? And from young, my youth pastor, Pastor Daniel Chua, he taught us this principle. And every time a, a, my, the offering bucket comes, I take out my wallet, I prepare my offering beforehand, and I give my best note. 
If it's 10, I give it 10. If it's 50, I give 50. And every time I put it into the offering bucket, I'm like, God, for a generation for souls. Pass it down. I've seen fruits. God is not your bellboy. Don't tip him. If you're passionate about him, you will give. Amen? If we can pay money for things that we're passionate about, clothes, shoes, cosmetics, games, gadgets, iPads, iPhones, McDonald's. Then if we say that we're passionately loving God, and when the offering bucket comes, we tip Him. We tip Him with whatever is convenient to us. Two dollars. If, 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 no, don't get me wrong, okay? If 10 cents is really all you could give, like the woman with two mites, versus the parable of the, the other guy who gave like thousands of dollars, Jesus said, I delight in her offering because she has given me her, her best, her all. Then that's fine. What I'm saying is this, God is not your bellboy, let's not tip him. If you are passionate about him, then let's sow into the cause. Second sub-point is this, praise and worship. Praise and worship. The point of praise and worship. Passionate people give excessively, they don't hold back. Vance Havner, an author, he said this, the same church members who yell like Comanche Indians at at a ball game on Saturday sit like wooden Indians in church on Sunday. There is no such thing as, I'm passionate about God, but I just don't show it, law. I just don't show it. I sing in my heart. I raise my hands in my heart. I jump in my heart. I dance in my heart. I tell them, yeah, I can guess what is your favorite song also. Your favorite song is this. I will not be moved. <laughs> read Psalms. Read the Psalm of David. I mean, how many times do we read, shout unto God with a voice of triumph? Clap your hands, all we people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Praise Him with the instruments. Praise Him with dancing. Praise Him with your voices. Notice David didn't say all that. And then he says, praise Him with the instruments in your heart. Praise Him by clapping your hands in your heart. Praise Him by shouting unto God with a voice of triumph in your heart. Hey, that doesn't make sense, man. Thank you. I've trained them wrong. Kidding. Passionate people give excessively. They don't hold back. Come on. It is time. Loud Jen. You are supposed to be loud. Isn't it? Loud Jen. It is time to be passionate. We were worshipping. I was standing right there. I said, God, give me a word. Give me a word for these young people. Give me a word for these young people. A word I got for you is this. Activation. God wants to activate something in the spiritual realm in your life. Activation. He wants to activate the fire in your life. He wants to activate the spiritual things in your life. Activate it. But it's your life. And God is not and male chauvin- He's not an MCP, you know, male chauvinist speak, want to control everything of your life. No. He gives you free will. If today you would come and say, God, I want to be, set me on fire. I want to be burning for you. He will set you ablaze. He will. Number two. So passionate people give excessively. They don't hold back. Number two, of course, we read in the Bible as well that, the, that when Mary of Bethany, when she broke that oil of spikenard perfume, obviously, naturally, logically speaking, the whole room smelled of the perfume. Okay? If today I come with perfume and then I break the perfume bottle, I'm very sure that the whole auditorium here can smell the perfume. Oh, that was... Yes, okay? Now, the whole room was, was, was filled with that fragrance of that spikenard oil. Number two, passionate people change atmospheres with their passion. 
passionate people change atmospheres with their passion. Do atmospheres change you, or do you change atmospheres? Some of us. How, how do I, I like? I like you. I like Christians. Come ask. Huh? Steam? Hey, no link, lah, brother. What? How to change atmosphere? Steam. I'm not talking about steam anymore. <laughs> You're too cute. Now, some of us, I call you spiritual chameleons. You know chameleons? They blend into their environment. When they go to the tree trunk, they become brown. They go to the leaf, they become green. Some of us here are spiritual chameleons. When you come to church and, and you are hanging out with all holy spiritual people, no nonsense, then you become all holy and spiritual, no nonsense. You go back to the classroom, everybody's like junk, man. Everybody's like, like, you know? And then you're so like, you know? You're just, you're just blending into your atmospheres, into your surroundings when God has called you to change atmospheres and cultures. Don't be a thermometer. Be a thermostat. You know what is a thermostat? An air condition is a thermostat. You come into this room, you feel hot, you turn on the air condition, the air condition that is a thermostat changes the atmosphere in this room. It makes it cool. I want to be a thermostat for Jesus. I want wherever I go, I change atmospheres and cultures with my passion. I just prayed just now, God give me a breakers anointing today. When I preach to all of you here, I will break something in the spiritual realm that I may change this atmosphere here. I hope I am doing that. You calling pizza? Is that for all of us? Pizza delivery? He come already, is it? There was this story of um, this preacher who came to my church and he preached. His name is Pastor Pat Shetzlein. And he shared a story of how one of his youth, who was so passionate for Jesus, he was so compelled to do this, but we can't do this in Singapore. Lah. We'll get caught like illegal, but in the States can. So he took his guitar, he went to outside this shopping mall, he sat down there, he started praising and worshipping God with his guitar. He was just praising, worshipping God. Listen to this, it will impact you. It, it, it just impacted me greatly when I heard this testimony. And uh, as he was worshipping God, the presence of God fell on the, in that shopping mall and it created a glory zone around that guy. It's like, it's just the presence of God around that guy, right? Listen to this. The testimony is this. A man with a cigarette, smoking, he would walk past and come into the glory zone where this guy here is worshipping. Something would convict him. He would drop his cigarette. He would go to the guy. He would repent. Alcoholics will walk past the glory zone, step into the glory zone where the presence of God is, where this young man is just worshipping and praising Jesus, minding his own business, and they will get set free from alcoholism. <laughs> I love that, you know. I'm like, God, I want to do that, man. I want to carry your presence and your glory everywhere I go, that I change atmospheres, that I won't succumb and blend into the atmosphere, but I will change culture, I will change atmospheres. We should be doing that because we got the Holy Spirit. I share with you a story true story. It's called The Atheist and the Chalk. Listen to this. There was a professor of philosophy who was a deeply committed atheist. His primary goal was one required for one required class was to spend the entire semester attempting to prove that God does not exist. His students were always fine, was always afraid to argue with him because of his impeccable logic. For 20 years, he had taught this class and no one has ever had the courage to go against him. At the end of every semester, he would say to his 300 students, if anyone still believes that Jesus is real, stand up. In 20 years, no one dared to stand up. They knew that he would do, he, they knew what he would do next. He would say, because anyone who dares to stand up and believes that God is real is a fool. If God existed, he would stop this chalk from hitting the floor and breaking. Such a simple task to prove that he is God and yet he cannot do it. And every year he would drop the chalk and it would shatter into pieces. All the students would do nothing except to stop and stare. 
Most of the students thought that God couldn't exist. Of course, there were Christians in the class, but no one ever dared to stand up. A few years ago, a freshman who enrolled into the school heard about this professor and was taking a major in his class. Prayed for three months until his semester ended. Finally, the day came and the professor asked the same question. The professor and the other students looked at the young man, shocked. As he stood up at the back of the classroom, the professor shouted, You fool! If God existed, of course he went on to say he would know, uh, save this chalk and blah, 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 blah. He then proceeded to drop the chalk and as he did, the chalk slipped out of his fingers, off his shirt, onto the pleat of his jeans, down his legs and off his shoes. As it hit the ground, it simply rolled away unbroken. The professor's jaw dropped as he looked at the chalk. He looked at the young man and he ran out of the room. The young man who had stood up proceeded to the front of the class, classroom and there he shared his faith and passion for 30 minutes. The 300 students stayed behind and listened as he told them of God's love for them. That's what I mean by changing your atmosphere and changing your culture. There was another story of how this atheist was in this school and giving a motivational talk, telling the school that God is not real, God is not, he's not existing, he's not existent. And then this group of people at the back of the hall, assembly hall, stood up and they sang together with one voice, Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. One by one, Christians from all over the hall stood up, stood up. Another group stood up, another group stood up. The presence of God filled that assembly hall, changed culture, changed atmosphere. Passionate people give excessively, they don't hold back. Passionate people change atmospheres with their passion. Number three, and I close. The Bible says, Jesus said to them, why do you disturb her? For she has done a good deed. She is preparing me for my burial. Listen, Jesus said this, she is preparing me for my burial. Point number three, passionate people prepares a generation to receive the saving and resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Passionate people prepares a generation to receive the saving and power of Jesus Christ. The saving power and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what passionate people do. You know what I really hate to see? Which I believe the tide is changing. How many of us go to school and we're like, hey, my church having uh, this event, eh? got free popcorn, free this, free that, I want to come, got uh, dance, dance item, got this item and that item, and got play, got drama, I want to come, hey, come, hey, come to church, hey, come to my church, come to my church. I don't believe in that. Because I believe that the glory in the latter days is going, to be, is going to be greater than the glory in the former days. And instead of we running after the world, like, hey, come to my church, hey, got free popcorn, free this, free that, come, come, got free food. I await and I'm seeing it happen that people are going to run after us and say, I want what you have. I want what you have. I want what you have. I Tell me how to be a Christian. Tell me, I want to go to your church. And I'm seeing that happen in my youth ministry. Students and pets boys going up to my youth and say, hey, how to accept Jesus, ah? Huh? I want to receive Jesus. I'll tell you why. I call this lamb chop evangelism. Ask me what is lamb chop evangelism. Thank you for asking. I'll tell you. Picture with me a dog and all the dog has in its mouth is a piece of dry bone. Okay? You come along and you throw a big piece of juicy lamb chop in front of this dog. What would you think the natural reaction of the dog would be? Duh. Of course. Drop the bone and go for the lamb chop. Right? Now, Metaphorically speaking, 
what the world out there has, what the non-believers, what your friends have, really is just a dry bone in their mouth. It could be relationships, it could be cigarettes, it could be alcohol, it could be um, sex, I don't know, whatever dry bone that is in their mouth. It could be pornography, whatever satisfies them, but for only a while. That's all they have, that dry bone in their mouth. You know what you and I have? If, you, if we even are living in that life, okay? Some of us Christian by name only, but inside, actually not really Christian, okay? You know what you and I have? We have the abundant life, the Bible says. We have that big fat piece of juicy lamb chop, the abundant life. And you know what, would, what should be the natural reaction of these people? Like the dog who would drop the bone and go for the lamb chop. Your friends, my friends, should be coming up to us and saying, hey, it's just something about you that I can't explain. I want what you have. What do you have? I'm seeing that happen. Before I came to full-time, I'm now in full-time working in my own church, in my youth ministry, but before this, I was working as a trainer in high achievers. I was a learning development consultant, so what I do is I go to schools and I conduct workshops, you know, like leadership workshops, um, how to study better, that kind of stuff. Nah. I was in this class, normal technical. I gave them a 10-minute toilet break. Malegal, Malegal, Muslim, came up to me. Coach Sabrina, are you a Christian? I was like, yeah, I am. Why? Why do you say that? She's like, I don't know. This is something about you. Like when you talk, it's very different. There's something about you. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, wow. Of course, I knew what it was. I wanted to say, it's the anointing. <laughs> it's just like something about you is just different, you know? The way you, the way you talk, just the, your face and the look in your face. You know, and I was like, wow. I said, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And then she said this that made me very angry. She's like, Oh, you know what? But in my classroom, right? Then she started naming people. Keith, ah, that guy, right? Also Christian, you know? Then this other girl, also Christian. That one, also Christian, you know? But Coach Sabrina, they don't even behave like Christians, you know? They are like any one of us. I'm telling you, when I heard that, right? I was really angry in my spirit. Because how many Christians by name would go to schools, would carry and would misrepresent the gospel? And that's why people don't want to be Christians. Because why? Instead of, instead of being known and carrying the gospel correctly and representing Christ correctly, people call us hypocrites. But it's very mind-boggling to me as well because you know how like, people always say, Wow, you're Christian, nah, you say vulgarity. You're Christian, nah, you smoke. Wow, you're Christian. Nah. You know, I always thought, how come nobody say, Wow, you Buddhist ah? or Wow, you other faith? Ah? You know? Very interesting, right? I'm like, why? Ah? So interesting, you know? Like, wow, wow, wow. But always like, Wow, you're Christian, nah, you're Christian. Nah. Because I'm telling you that deep down inside all of us, there is a God-shaped vacuum that they know only God can fill. I love it. And that's why it's our responsibility to be passionate and change atmospheres and prepare a generation for His saving power and resurrection through our lives. I, I close with this. You know, a lot of times we're like helium balloons. When we first got saved, we were passionate men. We loved Jesus. We're like, you know, after a while, pss, and today, perhaps, you have lost that love. You don't know what I'm talking about. As I'm talking, you're sitting down there, you're like lost. You're like, what is she talking about? La? Just quickly, la, I want to six thirty, la. Just release us. Just finish whatever you need to say. You know why? I shall just put it bluntly. Because you have no fire. Because you're lukewarm. And because you can't be bothered with the things of this kingdom. And I'm telling you this, when the Bible says... Many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not preach the gospel in your name? Did I not attend Lao Jen? I was a Christian, you know. I pay my offering, eh. I take communion. Eh. I listen to the preacher preach, you know. I also read the Bible, you know. And what does the Bible say in Matthew? You read your Bibles. 
the Bible says this, he will look at them and say, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, you evildoer, I do not know you. But Lord, we prophesied in your name, we preached in your name, we cast down demons in your name. But I attend this church, I pay my tithes. What do you mean you do not know me, Jesus? And he will say to them, I do not know you, you who practice lawlessness, depart from me. And the word many, I did a word study and it freaked me out. The word many here is the Greek word poloi, P-O-L-L-O-I. And the word poloi is the same a Greek word that is used to describe the multitudes of people that follow Jesus in the Gospels. Which means, when He comes again, if He comes again today, I'm really, really not sure whether all of us here will make it into heaven. I'm sorry. Because He's going to come. You read your Bibles. Hey, young people, read your Bibles. It's not cheap grace, hyper grace, you know. It's not one saved, always saved, you know. You read your Bibles. No, I say one, huh? Jesus say one. It's in red. Don't think I'm preaching heresy, okay? You read your Bibles, you do your study. He will come and he will divide the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the tares. And he's not talking about I will divide the believers and the non-believers. He's talking about in his church. Every Christian, he's going to divide the goats from the sheep and the wheat from the tares. In his church. All of us here, we call ourselves Christians. I close with this. The number of times the word Christian was mentioned in the Bible, twice in Antioch, in the book of Acts. The number of times the word disciple was mentioned in the Bible, 277 times. I'm not just merely saved to become a Christian. Thank you, Savior, Jesus, for saving me that I can get a ticket to heaven. Yay, whoopee! I'm called to be a disciple. What's a disciple? Someone who will imitate after my master. Someone who will imitate after my teacher. Where he walks, he says, greater work shall you do. Right now, there's a revival going on among the Penans. Penans are this group of tribal people in this place called Barrio, where a revival actually happened in Barrio in 1972 as well that affected Singapore, actually, if you know your history on revival. Right now, God is using this 19-year-old girl. I'm going up in May to Barrio to meet her. 19-year-old. How, how many of you 19-year-olds? Raise your hand. 19. Okay. Oh, yeah, 19. Are you sure you're 19? Not 26? 19. God is using this 19-year-old girl. Her name is called Kartini. Listen to this, okay? When I heard this, I'm like, God, you are no respecter of persons, man. 19-year-old girl. She's right now, she had a vision from God and so she started moving and all these things and there's a revival that's going on in the Penance, where she is, her tribe. 19-year-old, um, she has cast out demons. Every day she's casting out demons. Signs, miracles, healings are following after her and she has raised the dead. I'm 26, I have not raised the dead. I'm sad to say that. Because you know why? God is no respecter of persons. You read your Bibles, He says, Go and heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, raise the dead. He didn't say, Pastors, go heal the sick, cast out demons. Full-time workers, go heal the sick, cast out demons. He said, Go, disciples. Go. 19-year-old girl, raise the dead. I'm like, God, come on, man. I'm 26, man. I need to raise my first dead. But I want this. I really want this. And when it comes to Christianity, I'm sorry, I'm greedy. There are nine gifts of the Spirit. I want all nine gifts. God, I want all nine gifts. I want to prophesy. I want to, I want to cast out demons. You know, I want, I want all the nine gifts. I want the miracles. I want the healings. And listen, I purpose in my heart, I'm not going to run after these things. These things will run after me. When I fix my eyes on Jesus and I'm constantly in that place of abiding and loving on Him, these things will follow you. Can I get you to stand and can I get the worship band to come up? I close with this. 
I hope you're getting me tonight. As the worship team just plays um, softly in the background, I just close with this. You can just keep your eyes closed. I close with Romans chapter 12 verse 11. In the NIV version of Romans chapter 12 verse 11 says this. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Romans chapter 12 verse 11 in the message translation says this. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflamed. Note the word keep. It's not automatic. God ignites the fire. It is your responsibility to keep the fire burning. He ignites the flame in your life. It is your responsibility to fan the flame. The word keep is a verb, which means it's an action word. You have to put it into action and keep your spiritual fervor, the Bible says. You see, so many people were passionate for God before, but they start losing their steam and, they don't, and we don't see them around in church anymore today. I've got friends, young people, I've got friends. I can name you friends. My close friends. We grew up together in church. They were, they were talented, charismatic worship leaders. One of them, my senior pastor, when she was leading, even prophesied over her publicly. Talented, anointed of the Lord. Today, no longer in church. No longer in church. It breaks my heart. I go to her Facebook and I see all these pictures of clubbing and just all the alcohol and the changing of boyfriends and it breaks my heart. Bible says, keep your spiritual fervor. Fan your flame, young people. Fan your flame. He ignites the fire. You fan it. You fan it. Keep the fire burning and the fire will keep you burning. Catch that. You keep the fire burning and the fire will keep you burning for Jesus. C.S. Lewis, he said this, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Moderately important? If Jesus is God and He died and loved you that much, you owe Him the rest of your life, even every spare minute of it. If He didn't, then go home and live a self-centered life. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. It either deserves your entire life or nothing. So tonight I ask you this question, how are you in your passion for God, young people? I'm not talking about the person beside you. I'm talking about you. How is your passion for Jesus tonight? How is your passion for Jesus tonight? Are you on fire for Him? Are you paddling right now because when the wave comes, you're going to ride it? Uh, are, you able, uh, are you unable to tell me that, you know, Pastor Sebi, I don't know. I don't know if I'm on fire for Him. I don't know if I'm on fire for Him. Then tonight is your night. Tonight is your night because listen, it's not time to play games anymore, young people. I plead with you, loud Jen, loud Jen, be loud, be loud, be loud, be loud to proclaim the fame of Jesus. Spread him everywhere you go, change couches, change atmospheres. And I tell you this he's not looking for charismatic, talented people. You check out the 12 people he chose as his, as his, as his disciples in the Gospels. With all reverence, I say this. With all fear of the Lord, I say this. He must have made 12 wrong choices. I mean, come on, tax collectors, uneducated fishermen who smell and perhaps stink. Judas is current, who we know will one day betray him. Come on, Jesus. If I were you, I would have chosen the charismatic people, man. 
the wow, the hot boss and those who can really just chill with me. No, he chose 12 ordinary people. Cheryl is ordinary. Aryan is ordinary. Shemaine is ordinary. Selming is ordinary. I'm telling you that they're changing atmospheres for Jesus. I've got so many testimonies I can tell you about. And God is no respecter of persons. And he wants to raise the same people here in Lopjen who will change your world. John Wesley, the same guy who said, set me on fire and the world will see me. But he said, there's give me 100 men who will hate nothing but sin and love nothing but God and we will change the world. <laughs> I'm like, God, I want that. I'm like, God, give me a generation that will love no one and nothing but you alone and will hate nothing but sin and we will change the world. We will. I'm still holding on to that promise. I really am. I really am. With that, we're just going to worship God with one song and then we're gonna, I'm going to come up and I'm going to open up the altar for response. But right now, with every eyes closed and every eyes just focused on Jesus, you do a self-check today based on the three points I just gave you. Passionate people give excessively, they don't hold back. Passionate people change atmospheres with their passion. Passionate people prepare a generation to receive the saving power and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How is your passion tonight, young people? Because God is drawn to hunger. He is drawn to passion. He is drawn to desperation. The reason why we're not changing our world and our schools and our atmospheres and our, and our spheres of influence is, is because we are not hungry for Him. We are not desperate for Him and we are not passionate for Him. Simple. Period. So let's worship God. You just talk to God right now in your own words, in your own ways. You worship Him. I'll come back on and we'll open up the altar.
Oh, 
response now a guy went up to Reinhard Bonke and said evangelist Reinhard why is it that God is using you the way he is using you and he's not using me the way he's using you and evangelist Reinhard Bonke answered and said hey young man if you want to cook noodles one stove is on fire and the other stove is not on fire which stove will you use young man answered of course I'll use the stove with fire evangelist Reinhard Bonke looked at this young man and said that's right I'm the stove with fire and you are the stove with no fire and that's why God is using me and not using you. Are you on fire today, young people? See, I'm not here today to please your ears. I'm not here to preach something that you want to hear. I don't want to take you to Disneyland. I want to take you to the promised land. I want to take you into the promises that God has for you as an individual and has for you corporately as a loud gen ministry. He has got promises lined up for you as a ministry. And listen, you need to activate your spiritual realm. You need to activate the fire and fan it and keep the spiritual fervor that God has ignited in your heart. Don't lose it. In Revelations, He said, I have this against you that you have lost your first love. If you have lost your first love, listen, it is your fault because you lost it. But listen, because you lost it, you can always go back and find it. And today, it's not too late. And I don't care about the people standing beside you. Or I don't care about your pride. I've laid my pride down because I want all that God has for my life, young people. And I'm sure you want all that God has for your life as well. I want God to give me a standing ovation at the end of my life. I'm not being proud. It's not pride. I really genuinely want Him to give me a standing ovation. When Stephen the martyr was stoned to death and he looked up into heaven, what did he say in Acts? You read your Bible, he said, I see the Son of Man standing beside the right hand of the Father. Standing? But doesn't the Bible say that when Jesus was, He went up to heaven, He ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father? Why did Stephen see him standing? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus gave him a standing ovation. And I want my Jesus to give me a standing ovation at the end of my life. And say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now enter into my rest. I'm passionate for this cause. I'm passionate for you. You are what I live for, young people. You are the generation I'm fighting for. Every night on my knees, I cry out. I say, God, give me a generation. God, give me a generation, God. This is what is burning in my heart. God, give me a generation. Give me a generation of disciples who will lay down their lives, 
who will not play games in church, who will not just come to church every Saturday, warm the pews and go home the same old, same old, defeated in sin, defeated in bondages in their lives, never breaking free from them. The devil has got you. But today, listen at the sound of my voice. The Holy Spirit is here right now. I sense Him. I'm telling you, He's here, man. He's here, He's here, He's here. I can feel fire right now. Like, I can feel it. Altar is open. You know you've lost your first love. You know God is speaking to you. I'm not going to give a specific call to anything. But at the sound of my voice, I'm not talking about the people beside you. I'm talking about you. You're not responding to me tonight. You are responding to God tonight. It's you and God. Nothing with me, okay? Even if nobody responds, I'm good. It's okay. But it's you and God. If God is doing something in your life right now, He's speaking to you about something in your life right now, the altar is open. Listen, we're talking about passion. When it comes to passion, there is no but. And if God is speaking to you and He's doing something in your life right now, you want to come and present your life before Him and say, God, set me on fire again. I want to return back to my first love. I want you to use me. You come to the altar right now. You come to the altar. You present yourself before Him. It's your own expression of worship. You want to kneel, you kneel. You want to sit, you sit. You want to stand, you stand. It's your own expression of worship, okay? It's you and God tonight. It's you and God tonight. It's you and God tonight. We'll sing this song again. And as we sing this song again, can I get the leaders of this church, my team of leaders as well, let's go around, let's lay hands. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray the fire of God upon your life. And I want you by faith to receive the fire of the living God. And after you receive the fire of God, listen young people, you need to keep the spiritual fervor. You need to learn to fan that flame. Don't lose it again. Don't lose it again. Don't lose it again. So let's sing that song again. Pastors, leaders, let's come around. Let's stand together with this generation of people who have responded right here. And let's pray with, let's pray with them. Let's lay our hands on them. And let's pray the fire of God upon their lives. If you're, if you're responding right here, you just close your eyes and you just worship God, okay? Wherever you are, you just cry out to Him. You cry out to Him. It's your own expression of response and, and worship unto Jesus, not mine. So Jessica, let's go. And I'm desperate for your touch A glimpse of heaven for the glory of your Son In a moment you can turn away
for the healing uh, now she's able to walk up and down the stairs but although it's still a little bit painful but we're still going to praise Jesus for that healing amen and uh, the other sister as well she's got ankle and shin, shin pain and uh, we prayed for her as well and uh, you got healed yeah a little bit here and there right we praise Jesus for the healing as well and uh, I want to introduce you to a new sister in Christ she just got saved today she's been attending your youth ministry if you didn't know but she never officially invited Jesus into her life and tonight she has. So help me welcome Lao Chen, help me welcome Liang Le. Come on, come. <laughs> this is Liang Le. And uh, this is Auntie who had brought who brought Young Le to your church. Auntie. Oh, Li Fan, who's Li Fan? Where's Li Fan? All right, man, Lifan! Woo! Fisher of man, you are. And uh, so Liang Le is our new addition into the family of Christ. And uh, shall we all stretch our hands to her? Let's pray. Let's say a prayer of blessing over her life. Let's all stretch our hands to her. 
I'll get Pastor Joanne to pray. Father, we rejoice with you, Lord. We rejoice with your angels, O oh Lord, that Liangla is now, is now a child of God. That, Father, she is loved by you, O oh Lord. She is loved by the Most High, and I pray that, Father, she will always remember it. That, Father, even right now, you just begin to fill her Holy Spirit. That, Father, as she walks out of this place tonight, Father, everybody will see the difference, O oh Lord. That, Father, her friends, her family will see the difference. They will see the Spirit of God upon her. They will see the Spirit of God in her life, O oh Lord. And I pray that, Father, she will always love you with all her heart and all her so in all her mind that father you grow her lord you grow her in you that father you keep her growing that father you keep her growing closer to you that father you grow her deeper each day lord so father we thank you for her we praise you and we worship you because god your spirit is powerful and your spirit is real and it's exciting lord to be in your presence so god we praise you in, in jesus name i pray amen How many of you are, are touched by God today? Yes. You know, um, you know, we don't have to wait for a service like every Saturday to receive the presence of God. When you receive Christ and you're a Christian, God is in your heart. And every day, every day is worship to God. Every day is, is, is just communion with God. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I want, to, I want to encourage you that if today you have been touched by God, if today, you know, you remember your first love, you have come back to your first love, that you don't let it go. You know, don't let it go when you go back to school. When you go back to school, you know, spread the fire. When you go back to, to your family, you know, uh, keep, keep seeking Him, keep pressing in for more of Him. And, and next week, bring your friends down so that they can experience that as well. All right? Yeah. All right, shall we? Shall we sing one last song before we, 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 we go off? Okay? Okay, if you need to go, you can go back. But let's, 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 let's just... Let's just praise God, okay? I think God is amazing, right? God is faithful. I mean, the way God has worked today, He's amazing, He's faithful. Let's just worship Him. Worship Him and, and give Him our all today, okay? Worship leader. Uh, your love never fails. It's in the, the real, your love never fails, okay? Not one thing remains. It's the...
Yeah. 